Good morning. Let me welcome you to Pittman Park Online. I'm Bill Bagwell, Senior Pastor at Pittman Park. And I'm Jay Williams, the Associate Pastor. It's good to be here with you today. We've been doing a lot of thinking about the church over these past few weeks. Uh, one of the things that comes to our mind immediately is that we can still be the church even as we are separated from each other. I think that the word that draws us in is invitation because truly this is in our job description. Jay, don't you agree with that? I do. I believe that church is more accessible than it has ever been. I mean, you can share with your neighbors at just a mention of a word. You know, instead of asking people to come and go to church, you can ask people to come join us at, at church online. And you can do that by just sharing pittmanpark.org. Or you can also just hit share on the Facebook page and share our services on your personal Facebook. And, and it opens all of your friends up to what you get to enjoy every week. And there's there's a third option, and that is hosting a watch party. I, I am curious about that. I heard you use that word once before, and I don't know what a watch party is. A watch party is a way that, that you can get together with your friends and watch a video all at the same time and, and interact while you're doing so. I think this brings a whole new dimension to church. Uh, it would be a really neat thing. For people to do. Uh, so I believe that the church is more accessible than ever. I believe that sharing uh, what's going on at church is easier than it has ever been. And I think that we've got some really neat opportunities. I think we do too. In fact, that is uh, one of the good things that, that God will do through this as we learn more what it means to be the church in this day and age. I heard uh, a couple, uh, a United Methodist couple that was trying to connect with uh, their local church in uh, Oregon, that they accidentally connected with another United Methodist Church by the same name down in Louisiana, and yet they enjoyed that connection so much that they decided that they would continue going to their church, of course, but that they would connect with that church in Louisiana and watch it as well. Who knows where God will lead us to feel connected as his people across the miles. As we enter into worship today, uh, we come to a time that uh, has uh, become a rhythm within our church, and that is that every first Sunday uh, we would adopt this as family first Sunday. We would have as a focus uh, the family as a whole, and particularly we would think of ways in which to, to integrate children into worship. Uh, today, Derek Harrison, our director of children and youth ministry, will be leading a children's moment uh, during our time of worship. Another thing that will be a little different today is that our first hymn is not familiar to you, I imagine. Uh, it is called the Hymn of St. Patrick. Uh, the words are the renowned words of Christ being in me and Christ being before me and beneath me and beside me. And it has a beautiful traditional tune that I hope that you will lean into and enjoy. Not enjoy listening to it alone, but that you would quickly uh, pick up the tune yourself and begin to sing the words that are on the screen. Uh, let us share this time together. God is with us. He has promised to be with us wherever we are gathered in his name. Let us worship him this day. Would you join me in praying this morning? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. We ask that you enter this place whether we are in our living rooms, on the couch, viewing this service through our phones, our TVs, our computers. 
Lord, we ask that you be there with us. We welcome you into our hearts and our minds and our souls this morning, Lord, as we worship and praise you. Please allow us to draw near to you, Lord, in our still and quiet place and fill your presence there. We worship you this morning with everything we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christ be with me and within me, Christ behind me and before, Christ beside me and to win me, Christ to comfort and restore, Christ beneath me and above me, Christ in quiet and in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. Christ be with me and within me. Christ behind me and before. Christ beside me and to beneath me and above me, Christ in quiet and in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in love of friend and stranger. behind me and before, Christ beside me and to win me, Christ to comfort and restore, Christ beneath me and above me, Christ in quiet and in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger.
Good morning, Pittman Park kids. I'm so happy I can be with you today on this Family First Sunday. And you know what's really, really cool about today is, is as the weather's really nice right now and things are starting to get warmer as summer approaches, one of the things I used to always do is play soccer. I love playing soccer. And so I'd always go out, kick the ball around with my friends. And my brother, he's two years younger than me, he would always grow, go out playing baseball. Baseball was his sport. And so we were very sporty kids. And, you know, during this time where there aren't sports and maybe you're not doing the things you used to do, you know, Scripture tells us that we're supposed to be thankful for what God has provided for us and what we are doing. And so what better way, instead of looking at sports and looking at things we used to do, maybe what has God been doing for you right now that you're thankful for? God is maybe providing, maybe you're eating a lot more meals at home with your family. Maybe you have a new family game that you like to play, a new family tradition that has started. God is providing things that we are thankful for. And so my challenge to you today is how can we be thankful and how can we say, hey, God, I am thankful for what you are giving me because he's giving us so much that maybe we didn't see before because we were doing things that we didn't look for him in. And so God is with us in everything that we do. And so I'm going to invite you to pray with me. So if you'll bow your heads. Dear God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. God, we thank you for what you're doing with us today. And Lord, we are thankful for this time you've given us to refocus on you and what you are doing in our lives. And we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Today's scripture comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells boldly, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thank you, Gwen, for sharing our passage of scripture this morning. With the trials and tribulations of Paul's life, he certainly could be called the suffering apostle. We remember that most likely he was in prison in Rome as he was writing this letter to the early church in Colossae. 
his writing, it's interesting, does not bear in any way an evidence that he was bemoaning his existence. He was not complaining to anyone about the suffering that he was doing. In, in fact, he was in prison. He was suffering to some degree. And yet, in his words, as is recorded in chapter 1, the 24th verse, he says, I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. His clarity about his suffering is very precise. He saw his sufferings as being an extension of who Christ was. Not that he himself was Christ, but that Christ living in him continued to do all in Christ's power to redeem the world. And if that meant that Paul had to suffer as well, he was a willing participant. Paul's concern, really, was not for himself. His concern was for the church, for the people of Colossae, because he knew that they were under pressure. He knew that they were feeling the pressure of society that had birthed them, the one that they had grown up in, that Greek mythology that was such a part of their being that called them to acknowledge Greek gods of fertility and wealth and power and knowledge. And they also were feeling the pressure that was being brought upon them by those who were so fastidiously religious, even within the church. Those that believed that in order to truly be a follower of Jesus the Christ, one must be attentive to the Mosaic law and to the Torah. I tell you that their situation was quite difficult. They were caught between a rock and a hard place. They were living under the pressure to conform to the world on the one hand where Christ is a Lord but not the Lord of all and the hard place on the other side where they were called into a world of allegiance to Jesus which would mean becoming legalistic in their own self-evaluation and judgmental toward others who did not find their way to allegiance enough. Maybe you've seen this at work in, if not your life, the life of others that were either too worldly on the one hand are too legalistic on the other. I remember when I was at some point in elementary school watching my mother prepare meals, one of her favorite pots in the kitchen was her pressure cooker. She would often prepare greens 
turnip greens in that pressure cooker. And I remember on one occasion that she got that pressure cooker out and with good intent, she filled it with a little bit of water and a lot of greens and then she connected that lid which actually clicked into place and then she set her weight on top of that that would make sure that a certain amount of pressure was applied to the cooking of those turnip greens. But she had not been careful enough in making sure that she had connected that lid to the bottom of the pot. And somewhere in the midst of that cooking, we heard an enormous explosion. We all came running from different parts of the house and found my mother laughing at her situation because there were turnip greens on the ceiling, there were turnip greens on the wall, there were turnip greens all over that kitchen. And she smiled and said, I just guess I didn't put the top on quite right. You and I get into situations where just the smallest thing will set us off. In fact, when big things come to bear, it doesn't take but just one small thing to push us over the edge. I have been very concerned over these past several weeks to hear that not only are we dealing with a very grave situation of sickness in our society, but the pressures of that sickness and all that it brings creates tensions within the families and the households. There is much domestic violence, I understand, that is directly related to this situation. Because why? Because people are pushed just a little further than they can bear. They are living under pressure. There are persons that are struggling with addictions that they had long since put into their past, and yet they have become under the pressure to relent whom they have become and to take up the old ways that they once had. There are persons that are dealing with anxiety in ways that they never thought possible. Things that trouble them, not just the disease, but many, many different parts of life that become troublesome. Do you find this at work within you? In this passage of Scripture, I took liberty with the pen in order to circle a particular phrase that I saw being used over and over and over again by the Apostle Paul. Listen as I read to you just a few of these. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Hear those words, in Him rooted and built up in Him. And then dropping down to the ninth verse, for in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in Him who is the head of every ruler and authority. And then down in the 13th verse, God made you alive together with Him when he forgave us all our trespasses. Oh, what a powerful phrase this is, that the Apostle Paul 
is gifting to the people at Colossae. He is wishing and hoping and praying that they will remember their faith. And that place, that precious place that they have come to in Christ as they understand themselves differently. I had a friend who told me once, he said when he went off from home to college, that the last thing that his father spoke to him was not a lecture. He didn't give him a list of things that he better not do when he went off to college. He simply looked him in the eye and he said, remember who you are. And those were words enough. The Apostle Paul is seeking to tell the early church this. Remember who you are in Christ. There's a precious member of the Pittman Park Church that calls me on occasion, and I suspect that she calls a number of you as well. I will hear the phone ring and pick it up, and without even telling me who she is, I know who she is, as she begins to sing, This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. And she'll sing the whole song to me as if to remind me of something that I should know. I tell you, even preachers need to hear this as a reminder to us of who we are and who Christ is and who we are called to be in Him. I shared with our grilled cheese study and prayer group this past week that I remember hearing a pastor give her witness And as she shared the story, she put it this way. She said, that's the point at which God repented me. And I'd never heard it put that way before. That God repented her? I thought repentance was something that we did. But the way she said it was so interesting. That was the point at which God repented me. And surely this is what God is trying to do within us. In fact, this is what Paul is trying to do in the early church. He is seeking for us to remember that it is in Christ that all of this begins to become real, where our repentance takes residence because of Christ in us. And so truly, this is a calling from my heart to yours this day. Will you give your life anew to Him? Do you sense that He is close? May God be real as we seek to live in Him. Amen. Good morning. Hey, did you know that we live at the bottom of an ocean of air? And as a result of that, there's 15 pounds of pressure per square inch on every part of your body. What I'm saying is that we live under pressure quite literally, but we don't even notice it. The reason why is because we're built to handle it. Uh, The pressure on the inside of us equals the pressure on the outside of us, and we don't even feel it. But there are a lot of other types of pressure, pressures that we do feel. 
You may be here this morning and you're feeling some very destructive pressures. Or maybe not. Maybe uh, we can use an analogy uh, like, you remember when you used to go swimming and you would start to go down into the deep end and the deeper you got, the more pressure you felt until you got down to the bottom and the pressure was very painful. And the deeper you got, the more pain there was. You see, I, I believe that humankind was not built to live under that kind of pressure. When I was a teacher, I used to do a demonstration and I would empty a can of all of its contents, even the air. And as a result, the atmospheric pressure would crush that can. My point is, is that what we're full of matters. Human beings were created not to live life by themselves. They were created to be part of a human being God system in which God shoulders all the pressure. We're going to be in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 through 15. But I want to start off uh, focusing on verse 8, because I believe in verse 8, Paul begins to share with us what won't fill us up, what is not sufficient uh, to fill us to take care of these pressures. It reads, see to it that no one takes you captives through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I love the way Eugene Peterson in the message says it. He says it like this, Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words or intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spiritual beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in Him so you can see and hear Him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without Him. When you come to Him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. You know, we're living in a day of intellectual atheism, which tries to explain God away. We're also living in a day of humanism, which tries to tell you that everything that you need is found in you. And we're also living in a time of super spirituality, where people are very spiritual without having Jesus. But I love the phrasing here in this passage. It says, beware of, of hollow and deceptive philosophy. You see, there's nothing in any of these things that will fill you. Not to the capacity that you need. Not to the capacity uh, to be able to take care of the pressures of life. And Paul here calls them hollow. And just like when that can was hollow, and it didn't have enough to fill it, it was crushed. So you see, God provides for us in Christ a way to be filled in such a way that we won't be crushed. It's His way of loving us. Paul warns us about blending these hollow principles in with the teachings on Jesus. Because whenever you 
mix something in with Jesus, then it becomes less and less able to help you bear up underneath the pressure. So we've talked about what won't fill us. Intellectualism won't fill us. Human effort and pursuits, even materialism and relationships, won't fill us. And spirituality, based on whatever brand of spirit that you may mention other than Christ, it just won't fill us. So what, what will fill us? Let's look back at the scripture. In verse 9 through 12, it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to the fullness. He is the head over every power and authority, every pressure. In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through your faith and the working of God who raised Him from the dead. What it's saying here is that when you're filled with Jesus, we get back to that God-human system that we were designed to live in. And we no longer depend on our own human system we understand that that's a failed system and we quit depending on ourselves and we depend on God and we see that in Christ even the pressure to try to survive is met. My favorite part of scripture in the story of Jesus is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'm sure at that point in time the pressure of survival was heavy on his mind. And right now in your life, you may feel like the pressures to survive are heavy. I love what Jesus did. In his moment where he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was going to be destroyed, he also believed that God was able to redeem it. What I'm saying to you right now is that this this idea that you have to survive, that you have to make it, that you have to do it yourself, that you have to, to gut it out, that you have to figure it out, that you have to muster it up. Uh, Jesus uh, had this sweet moment of surrender where he said, uh, Father, not my will, but yours. In other words, uh, you know, I trust you. So in, in being full of Christ, we are able to let God handle even the most basic and the greatest of pressures. And just like that can that I keep referring to, it needed, it needed air on the inside of it in order not to be crushed. We need something on the inside of us so as not to be crushed. And just like the air on the inside of the can was invisible and the steel on the outside of the can or the aluminum on the outside of the can was visible, we can put our trust in the things that we see, but those things just aren't strong enough. So if these things don't fill us and only Christ can, how do we get full of Jesus? Well, let's look in verse 6. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, 
rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So the first thing there it says is to receive him. And how do we receive Jesus? The way we receive Jesus is we open ourselves up to the fact that our way doesn't work. And we look to God to take care of us. And we put our faith in what God has provided, and that is Jesus' death on the cross. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, he removed all the guilt and shame from between us and the Father so that we can receive his fullness. So the first thing we have to do is we have to receive Christ. It reminds me of a story, though. When I was traveling with the Wesley Foundation years and years ago, I traveled with a group of people that I respected greatly. They heard from God. They read the Bible and would see things that I never saw, and they would pray and have these wonderful times of relationship with God, and their lives produced fruit that was not evident in mine. And one day I remember going to one of the guys and saying, Hey, listen, I'm a Christian. I'm reading the same Bible. I'm praying to the same God. What's the difference between the two of us? He said, you received Christ. And I said, yes. He said, we're full of him. So how do you get full of Christ? How do you get full of Christ to the point where you have what you need to handle the pressures of life? How do you get full of Christ so that you hear his voice, so that you feel the direction that he has for you? How do you get full of Christ in that way? And I love this passage because it tells you. It says, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him. And the Amplified says, walk in union with him. In other words, stay connected. You know, we like to stay connected with our friends. And if there's anything that comes between you and a friend, you immediately deal with it. You get rid of it. You apologize or, or, or you straighten it out or you make amends or, or the other person does the same thing. Well, this is what it's saying. If we want to be full of Christ, we need to live in connection with him. And if there's anything that comes between the two of us, then we deal with it. And we do it by repenting by asking Him to help us, by admitting our weakness on a daily basis and our need for Him to walk in that place. The second thing that it says that we need to do, it says we need to become deeply rooted in Christ. Now, roots are funny things in that they seek to get nourishment and strength from the ground that they're in. In other words, as, as the wind blows and as the pressures of their lives happen, they sink down deep to get what they need daily and to get their strength. The way that we become full of Christ is we seek to get what we need, our nourishment, from Christ daily. And, and we seek to get our stability and our strength from Him too. Which brings me to the next point. It says that we should be continually built up in Him in unstable times, where do you run? Do you run to entertainment? Do you run to the refrigerator? Do you run to something to numb the pain or maybe even into social media or something like that? You know, this is saying that the way we become full of Christ is that we find our stability. We get built up in Him. 
You know, how do we get built up in Him? Well, we seek Him in those unstable times. We seek Him in His Word. We seek Him in His presence. And we seek Him in His people. And then it says, overflowing in it continually. Because I'm going to tell you, as we begin to become full of Christ, we are going to find strength and stability. And we're going to find a whole lot of other things like peace and all the fruits of the Spirit that the Bible promises us. Joy, peace, patience. All those things come from being in Christ. So this morning I want to ask you, what are you full of? What are you seeking to fill yourself up with to handle the pressures of the day? And I'm going to tell you, if the answer is anything other than Jesus, then as the pressure gets deeper and deeper, it's just going to hurt more and more.
I pray this morning that you'll receive him. If you've already received him, I pray that you desire to be full of him, that you walk in union with him, that, that you put your roots down in him, that you seek to be built up in him. And when all that gets good to you, I pray that the world hears how wonderful he is in your praise and your thanksgiving. We all live under pressure. Jesus is the answer.